Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show, featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. This is Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review, uh, sitting here with Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald. After another uh, Creighton basketball game, this is our what, third episode of the Blue Jay Beat now, right? Yeah, but first official episode, because For, yeah, the this, season just began. This one counts as 1-0. Yeah. So... Um, now I'm going to put this on you right away, not to, you know, put you on a specific talking points and things like that, but if you don't steer me off of Kyrie Thomas topics, I'm going to just stay on them. Gotcha. So it's on you he to make sure. He had a game sure, tonight. He yeah. really did. Yeah. On both, both ends of the court. It's pretty impressive. It's, uh, I mean, I think you, we joke about it a lot, but I think you know that, um, I have a soft spot in my little beat writer heart for for Taz <laughs> yeah for the Kyrie fence um I guess first of all he had a pretty big assignment tonight uh you know dealing with dealing with Une I think is how you Oni. say it Oni. is it Oni I'm pretty sure it's Oni I looked, I looked at one of their broadcasts or whatever from their yeah. local news guys and he said Oni all we have to do is, so, is write it yeah but that's true I, I, I believe it's Oni okay so yeah but he had tough assignment that guy I mean as a freshman average 13 points you know, shot really well from right. three. But it was interesting. It was interesting. Kyrie said after the game that that Oni was a little bit hesitant, and that's what I saw, mm-hmm. particularly in matchups against the bigger, like the kind of power five teams that they would play. So I wasn't too. He was he was hesitant at times, and, and Kyrie, I'm sure, had a lot to do with that. His length bothers a lot of people. Right. I mean, he he's obviously he has quick feet too, and he has good instincts. He steadies well. Kyrie does so he's in he's in the right spot more times more times than not and that can frustrate guys and make him a little hesitant. It was funny you made the comment to me at some point during the game. It's like it's it's remarkable what happens when Kyrie's off the court. He looked more confident, like <laughs> yeah. made more rhythm into his game. It's yeah. like a switch flips exactly. instantly. It's like oh I got a different guy. I mean let me attack the rim. Uh, but yeah he did. It's just the incredible thing about Kyrie and watching him play is how hard he works on defense and then. Uh, still able to put forth a, you know, a top-notch effort in offensively attacking the rim, you know, pulling up for jump shots, um, just always active and moving. I mean, he's one of the first guys down the floor mm-hmm. on the break a lot of the times. Sometimes he's starting his own break with with steals, but he's he's just tenacious and uh, a good tone setter for this team. I think it's it's critical that he's ascended into a leadership role because. His play speaks for itself on the court, but now he's sort of talking and um, engaging the guys to follow his lead because you, there's one. Th- I mean, it makes an impression when you, you know, uh, shut down a guy defensively, or maybe you rip the ball away and, and get a dunk. Like that has an impact, but so does um, sort of the constant inspirational comments or motivational comments, holding guys accountable and saying, like, look at me, I'm doing this, you need to step it up too, that type of thing too. So um, he's a key piece. He'll, he'll be a key piece, obviously, to what they do. But tonight was 10 to 12, man, from the floor. That's Started 9 to 10. Yeah. I think one of the things that is interesting to see about his game is it's, it's really rounding out into a complete basketball player, and it's kind of been fun to watch that evolution, obviously, over the years. But, you know, I know, you know, summer league is what it is. It's obviously not structured, and guys aren't obviously trying to lock you down or, you know, scheme for to stop you. So, you know, the numbers are inflated when you look at the statistics. But the the things he was doing, you know, 
being aggressive, looking for a shot, looking for it in, you know, mid-range and on the perimeter, not just necessarily attacking, being a three or a layup guy. You know, he was he's comfortable in that mid-range area. And we saw that a little bit tonight. He had, I think, two or three pull-ups, you know, from elbow distance. You yeah. know, even I think he has a nice little fadeaway. But it seems like he's got really good – His he, he has a lot of confidence in, in his shot mechanics. It looks like it's a repeatable deal for him to where if he gets it into, you know, a pull-up rhythm – he feels like he can knock that down most of the time. Certainly the shooting percentages reflect that, but he just seems like a different player offensively. I don't know, and and I was curious to see how much of that would take away from what he does on the defensive end, but like you mentioned his tenacity, it was still there, and he still used that to create a lot of offense uh, for himself. So it's interesting to me to see... I'm just going to be curious to see how long that keeps going, and if he... Because if he makes yeah. that jump, and if and if he and Marcus are, you know, a true one-two, instead of kind of Marcus and then Kyrie can get whatever's left over, if they're a true one-two, I think maybe most of the projections on this Creighton team might have been we might have undersold them a little bit because this is, I, bottom line is I think it's still a guards game, and if you've got a one-two punch like that, that's you're coming at, you know, talking about elite status as far as maybe being a top 25 team and things like that well yeah and that's the thing we still there's two things that we still haven't seen with just this version of Marcus and Kyrie and really the parts the auxiliary parts around them we haven't seen him face a team that can match them I think Yale had some good athletes on the perimeter but they didn't have the physicality or the strength right so when Kyrie and Marcus were driving to the paint like sometimes you can get guys remember that kid from uh Rhode Island um gosh what was his name the the guy who defended Marcus the whole game um, um dang it I can't remember his yeah, name off the top of my head too. but he had he was like Marcus's body type mm-hmm. you know he, he he was quick enough to stay with him and Marcus couldn't bowl him uh he you know or he, he couldn't knock him off his path uh just by being more physical and so that's a question that I have for those guys and then what happens when there's I think I mentioned it before but what happens when there's a rim protector a shot yeah. blocker um they still haven't faced a team with that yet either so um, or or a team that really I didn't think that Yale did a great job rotating defensively either. I mean, no. partly because Creighton was on them, you know the way the, the pace pushed, of the game. Yeah. Was, Yale did nothing to <laughs> to alter the pace, whatever. Like I mean, I think they called a few timeouts in live ball situations, which was it was kind of odd to see because you're like, wait, did they call a foul? The T? No, they just calling timeout because these guys are literally exhausted. gassed, yeah. exhausted because the pace is just out of control. Um, it was it, I I just don't. It is interesting to see why how teams like approach playing against Creighton, and it seemed like Yale was, you know, whether they were okay with it or not. But I mean, they didn't really do much to affect a an up and down pace. And I think, you know, one things we could, one of the rabbit holes we can go down right now is the play of Davion Mintz. Um, it seemed like from the jump, he was really a tone setter in that in pushing the pace and getting the ball across half court as quickly as possible. Whether he was throwing outlets to Martin who made great rim runs tonight, or whether he was pushing the ball himself because he had a couple, you know, just straight line drives, like a bull in the china shop right under the rim. I thought maybe statistically it wasn't his best performance, but, I mean, I think from a complete what Creighton's looking for at the point guard position, this probably was Davion's best performance of his career. He's had a good pace about him, man. Yeah. Like, you know, like the way that he – I liked his demeanor. I liked his poise. Just He seems – he just seemed comfortable, and he hasn't always shown that, even in practice or even in the exhibition game. Right. So, um, I think he likes the style. I think he likes the tempo when the game's moving at that 
uh, when when Creighton's played games where the with the where they're kind of in control, I feel like that has fit him well. It's just a question of if they play a team that wants to slow him down or forces Creighton to slow its pace a little bit, can he still find sort of his niche and direct the offense the way that it needs to be directed? But uh, it's encouraging, you know, mm-hmm. it's encouraging the the way he played and um, Tyshawn after that like little blip early <laughs> where yeah, it's like. Cool. A couple, that, was a, that was a tough freshman uh, moment right there. Right. A defensive mistake and then a couple of turnovers in, in about a minute span. Yeah. <laughs> but That's being generous with the minute, right. too, yeah. He settled in, though, after yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And made some good plays, too. So, um, yeah, I, it's it's funny. You listen to McDermott talk. The more you hear him uh, comment about the point guard spot, the more comfortable he seems. You believe with, it, right? Like, I think he's really comfortable with yeah. any of them. That, you know, the the... the he understands that they all bring something different to the table. Um, and I know that it's probably easy to make Tyler Clement the odd man out, but, I mean, he still has value. And I think he's still going to, before this is all said and done, he's going to close out multiple wins for Creighton just because of the, the calming presence he has on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not every game is going to be played at, you know, 120 miles per hour where Davion can flourish in a, in a setting like that. Um I think Caleb Joseph still is probably going to have some kind of transition process because, you know, the guys that come off those transfer years where they've sat for an entire season, that always seems to like they're stuck in the mud a little bit first and it takes them a while to get comfortable with things. Um, you know, he was like – he he played at the same pace Davion did tonight. So the guy – Yeah, I think, Caleb looked fine tonight. Yeah. From an injury. I mean, I didn't I mean, talk he, to him, he, but – He picked off that pass at half court and went right down for that dunk. Like, yeah, that was, was like, like – The Henry looked fine on that dunk. Yeah, that was, that was he just, got up. Right. That was just purely <laughs> Davion was playing well, I think. So Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue when the right. way that Davion was playing. I'm sure that they wanted to get more minutes for Caleb, but then the game flow probably just didn't allow it. And, and we know we were in practice this week. Um Caleb wasn't taking a lot of reps with the first team as right. as he's sort of rehabbing his his knee and getting treatment and trying or not knee his hamstring um and trying to get back to full strength so Damian got a lot of reps and you're gonna gonna ride the guy who got the reps and he played well so what did you think of their defensive performance I know um you know you see Yale finish with the uh, 76 points on a 45 percent shooting you probably think you know there's some things to clean up there and there are but I mean I mean, it was like eighty-five, fifty-eight at one point when kind of Matt called off the dogs a little bit there, and you know Creighton kind of got cold from three-point line. I think they actually their three-point shooting just to sidetrack for a second. They were eight of twenty-five, so that looks bad, but they're actually one for nine over the last eight minutes of the game. Oh, were they really? Yeah. So okay. like the, the reserve like closing unit there. I was gonna go back to look at that. Was kind of ice yeah. cold. So like the so they actually and that, were, a so, couple of those one one for nine. Man, that could have easily been. Three for nine or four for nine because yeah. a couple of them rattled in now. Right. So they were seven for seven for sixteen when the game was kind of, I guess, you know, still being decided. Yeah. Which is you know right around forty four percent. I think it's a they just good. had so many good looks from three. Yeah. I mean, ta- I mean, for a while, Kyrie's only miss was like one that was halfway down and yeah. out. I mean, he was really close to starting ten for ten from the field. Anyway, defensively, yeah. I think. Um, well, what Creighton was trying to do. Kind of tough in game one, I think. Um, I know that Creighton spends a lot of time on his man-to-man defense and talk about communicating a lot and uh, knowing where you're supposed to be and helping recover. Um, but they they were switching a ton of screens mm-hmm. and pretty much all screens. Almost all of like. them. Yeah. Even they were switching only off Kyrie. Right. Even Martin would have to switch. Um, so when you when you do that, especially with the way that Yale runs its offense where it's bigs, 
um, they'd set the screen and then slip immediately to the rim. It puts a lot of pressure on your backside, your weak side help defender who's got to rotate over and cover that spot. And then when Yale, if if that guy's there to cover that slip slipping big man to the rim, then Yale will reverse the ball to the weak yeah, side. And, all and you right, and so your other guys on the other side have to be ready to to fill those spots and and uh, close out on potential shooters. And I just think. Crane kind of just looked like a little bit uh, wasn't as sharp as it maybe it will be in a month mm-hmm. or two if it runs that similar scheme. I don't think they'll do it every game, obviously, because there's some guards that you just don't want to have uh, defended by your big. Right. But it is sort of encouraging, I think, for the Jays um, that they do have that option. I mean, you have an athletic guy like Martin Crumple um, who – you can hold his own in, in certain matchups, and even when I think when and Ronnie Harrell too. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. And even when I think he was late a little bit on switches, because I mean it's his call. Yeah. So there, Kyrie's reacting off of Martin's voice, and sometimes he was a little late on that. Martin, the thing that Martin can make up for when he's guarding, you know, uh, one of the smaller ball handlers, is he can kind of give up a step or two on that first step, and still recover and alter the shot. And I think he blocked a couple tonight off of where he was totally out of position but recovered because he's obviously a long strider yeah. and then the guy had to be you know fading away and got the shot either altered or blocked so I think he can make up for it with you know his closing speed and then obviously his athleticism being bigger than the guard um, but yeah there were definitely some moments where he was late but made up for it with the size and athleticism that he brings right. to the floor so it is interesting to see um, how much switching Creighton did tonight and how much they plan to do with that athleticism and that size that Martin brings. So I think he's faster foot speed wise than Justin, right? Wouldn't he be more yeah, laterally? I, like, think, I think so too. And I think he can put a lot of pressure on ball handlers if they decide to like really hedge out on screens and, uh, and sort of almost pseudo trap a guy mm-hmm. um, on ball screens. Like I, he's just got active hands. He's got mm-hmm. the ability and, he's, and he long does wingspan. have long, yeah. a long wingspan too. So, but I, I still, I mean, I think there were areas of Creighton's defense where I mean, they they did give up some stuff. Um, I mean, forty points in the paint to Yale. Yeah, that's an undersized group, Espe- so, right? Especially yeah. a Yale team that doesn't necessarily have a true back to the basket big. Right. I mean, they do a lot of, like I said, a lot of diving to the rim. Um, so they they took advantage, I think, of Creighton being slow to rotate at times. But it's still, I mean, it's still something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess the Jays hope they can become a little bit sharper as they go forward. But we'll see. Individually, how did you feel about uh, Martin Crample's bounce back game? Um, you know, you know, in the he obviously didn't play well against UNO. Uh, turnover prone against you. Uh, I mean, he fouled out against UNO like fourteen minutes, turned it over five times against Pembroke. So, you know, he wasn't coming in the most confident player in the world. But I mean, he cut the turnovers in half. He still had a few where he put the ball on the floor, and yeah. things got out of control from there. So I think that's still something that he probably needs to get into his head. That it, when I when you put the ball on the floor the chances of that being an empty possession are pretty high. So um, still a learning curve there. But, I mean, one board off of a double-double, 6 of 11 from the floor, mm-hmm. you know, you affected things defensively. Um, productive 24 minutes, but how do you feel about the, maybe the stride he made from maybe a, I think, a down preseason? I think if they get that version of Martin Crumple, they'll be pretty pleased with it. I, that's mm-hmm. my assumption. Um, yeah, there's still kind of a, a hot and cold to his game. And I think he is still trying to figure out what he can get away with, what he can and can't do as an offensive player. But, uh, but yeah, it, running the floor. I think the, the important things that he's gonna he's got to bring running the floor, being active on the glass, 
and uh, putting pressure on the rim because he's got that athleticism to do it. So um, do those three things well, and that that'll that'll take Creighton's offense to another level, I think. And then everything else is just a bonus if he can step out and hit a jump shot. Um, you know, if he can go one on one on a post up a couple times a game or something like that, and try to get to the free throw line, like that's just extra. I think, um, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure for him, if you talk to him, he wants to do that that type of stuff because that's what he worked on all summer. So he thinks he can be more uh, a bet, uh, sort of more all around player. But I think the basics are run the floor, put pressure on the rim, crash the glass, and if they can get that out of him. They'll be pretty pleased. Yeah. Another ho hum, seven point seven boards, a couple dimes, a couple nice, impressive assists. I think he had one nutmeg the defender to get to set up Toby for a bucket. Um Ronnie. Yeah. But yeah. I mean he seems to be really embracing that kinda that spark plug off the bench, that guy who just is gonna bring a lot of disruptive energy to the floor for Creighton. Yeah. It doesn't seem I you know He's I gonna have I, he's gonna have a game though where he blows up for about fifteen or seventeen points. Yeah. It seems like he has got that potential, um, and then he's also probably gonna have a game where he gets five points, eleven boards, and five assists or something like that. So mm-hmm. his versatility to me is um, is crucial, and it'll it'll make a difference. It'll, it may not always show up in the on the stat sheet, but it'll make a difference. Um, I like what I like. I like. I I thought it was a good sign from Ronnie Harrell last season when he didn't play much during the year, but yet he was still ready to go right. and still engaged. And when they called on him at the, In the very championship game, yeah, Villanova, at like, the very yeah. end of the season when they finally called on him, he stepped up. Yeah, and he he never checked out, and I think that's easier said than done sometimes for college guys that feel like they are they are putting in the work and they want to get rewarded but they're not seeing it mm. like sometimes it, I think it's easier for guys to just say oh, okay oh well you know this year's over but he didn't do that so commend him for that and I think that shows that he's kind of taking the next step from a maturity standpoint and he'll be ready to sort of handle um, an increased role this year but you know still knowing that there will be games when he's his playing time's a little bit decreased and he's got to come off the bench and provide a spark uh, so I think we'll wrap it up with uh, just a couple of comments on the other two freshmen because I want to talk about Tyshawn a little bit. I think it's, I think it speaks a lot to the type of player he is, or the type of player that he will be. That a true freshman, and we're just gonna put like a blunt, we're just gonna put him in a vacuum for a minute. A true freshman can walk out on the floor in his D one debut, uh, make two, three essentially three huge mistakes that were costly in a span of maybe forty five seconds, get pulled. Come back later into the game, um, you know, handle the pressure, settle himself down, play with ploys, good tempo like he always does, um, and finish with a five to one turnover ratio. Is that what he finished with? Five to one assisted turnover ratio. Yeah, five to one in twelve minutes. Oh, I mean, for three from the field, interesting. Yeah, he brought enough, down the but... point guards field goal for sure. <laughs> Davion went perfect, and he went over three. So, but right. you know, the, for the, the fact that he could kind of get himself together and come back and finish with a five to one assisted turnover ratio. He's debut. he's an, he's an interesting dude because he's kind of quiet, you know. Yeah. Like he doesn't necessarily. He's not very. He's certainly not just demonstrative on the court, mm-hmm. but even when you talk to him, he's sort of a little bit more reserved. It reminds me a lot of Kyrie as a freshman. Like yeah, Kyrie was really just to himself, kind of laid back yeah. in, in the way that he approaches it. But um, uh, he has good instincts on the court, and he de- like you said, he doesn't seem to be phased by the moment. So, um, 
man, they really put the ball in his hands tonight. Mm-hmm. They wanted they want to give him the opportunity to make plays for other people. He's got that ability. So because they didn't go with Caleb in the second stanza, they went back to Tyshawn again to mm-hmm. kind of give him a second chance to to prove himself. So I thought that was interesting, and I thought it paid off though. I thought he he showed what he's essentially been showing this whole preseason with you know the kind of the pace he can play with and um, the, the reads he can make on the floor and things like that. Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, Mitch and Tyshawn are both going to be huge parts of this team going forward. Uh, they're obviously not, uh, you know, all league level, but I think they're going to be huge contributors for how successful or, you know, unsuccessful this season ends up being. I think right. they'll, you know, kind of be on what they can provide. Um, the other one is your investigative nose is kind of on this one, and we've, we've seen it change a little bit with the women's basketball team because obviously the situation with Tatum Rimbaud not redshirting, um, and obviously it's up to the player, but, I mean, that was a situation where a week ago it was like, yeah, she's redshirting, and then game time comes along and she wants to play and she thinks she's ready. Um, but Jacob Everson obviously didn't play tonight, so that's still an option. Um, we know that The redshirt, yeah. Yeah, we know, we know that he's been bothering him, so I guess what's your gut feeling on is it if it's plausible for Creighton to – just maybe pull the trigger and you know put a red shirt on him and say we'll ride with Martin and Toby and Manny combination or maybe, or maybe a small wall right. lineup where you can get away with it makes sense to me uh that their, their logic like why why would you second guess um especially after what happened with Justin Patton right. like why would you second guess coach McDermott and, and the staff because their plan for developing big men has already already has a proven track record. Yeah. Like they already know they know what they're doing, mm-hmm. clearly. So if they say that, hey, this guy's gonna benefit from a red shirt, then he's probably gonna benefit from a red shirt. But for me, I'm like I look at his length and I think about his leaping ability, man, he can touch twelve feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can really run. He's got some good instincts defensively. Like you don't need him to play more than ten minutes. So right. um if, if he's on the court, I think he can help you. And if he can help you, then he can play. I mean, I think you could have made an argument, even though it benefited Justin Patton as a player to redshirt. Creighton may have benefited from him having him on the court, even though at it, times definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when he when, when he's sitting out, like even though it would have been rocky at times, like he mm-hmm. could have helped the team. Now it wasn't good for him as a as a person and an individual, so you commend the coaching staff for making that tough call. But um, in this situation, like I think it's very similar. I think Jacob could help him now if as long as if they can stay healthy. In the front court, then then uh, they can make do, but that's a big if, and yeah. so I'm not sure. I I think it sounds like the staff would prefer to redshirt him. And it sounds like they're getting close to maybe like kind of leaning that way, leaning that yeah. way. Yeah, whereas, like, whereas a couple a, weeks ago it was like no, right. he's playing for right, sure. right. And so my my assumption is is that if if they get a couple weeks into the season, and their bigs are still healthy, um, they'll they'll keep the shirt on him because it is a situation where he you could pull it and he'll still be as effective as maybe he would be or do you worry that he had to would be had to jump into an expanded role and then he's not ready for it at all I mean is there any concern there I don't think unless they actually go through a lot of injuries I almost think they would go small ball before they went to pull a red shirt off of an Epperson and play him extended minutes and just throw him to the fire right because I feel like the small ball lineup can be just absolute madness with the depth they have on yeah. the perimeter. I mean, they can run a, they can run a couple ways of small ball lineups almost. If you think about if you can play Toby at a five or Ronnie at a five, 
you have plenty of guards that you can mix and match into that and still be effective. We know Mitch can play a little bit of the four. They've experimented with that a little bit. You know, we know Kyrie can handle a bigger matchup. Well, it it, it kind of um, if you, if you don't have Jacob Everson in the as part of the rotation, it sort of I think maybe eases the burden a little bit on the coaching staff to try to find ways to get Tyshawn and Mitch into the lineup because, mm-hmm. like you said, then you can just play small. Like, mm-hmm. well, there's an you lose one of the bigs out of the rotation, so it makes it a little bit easier to say, uh, or just to kind of contort the lineup in a way that allows you to play small, um, especially if there's foul trouble with, with one of your bigs or an injury. Um, but yeah, it's a tough call. I think it is. I think it's. Um, um, I can. I can definitely understand both sides, and so I'm. I'm very eager to see what. I, it's just like in basketball. A lot of times, you know, it just guys just don't redshirt if they're good enough yeah. to play they're good enough to play he's right. good enough to play it's just he's ahead of justin yeah he's so good justin, right. justin was a, obviously a more skilled basketball player but he didn't have the energy or you know to consistently do it for multiple up and down the floor like he would get tired pretty quickly he's physically wasn't there already so that was kind of like two strikes against him and really the only thing was that he had raw ability yeah you know jacob has for one raw ability and you mentioned um that he could touch 12 feet he also has energy, you know. He also has you can sustain it. So like you good can, shot too. Yes, good, and he can stretch the floor. Like yeah. everything, he's he's essentially got what I think. If Justin Patton had what Jacob Everson has now, he wouldn't have redshirted his first year. They yeah. would have used him. Um, but you can see, like, oh man, if if you could just put this guy in a weight room for a year, yeah, he would be so much. He'd be set in a different on a different course. Mm-hmm. Um, than if you had to kind of play him and play him limited minutes even because you know he's not going to he's not going to jump into a significant role unless there's a major injury so right. uh, tough call yeah but uh yeah it seems like they're leaning on to, toward right you do you're, you're, seems, you sniff that one out pretty good yeah. i think you've asked about it three times three press conferences yeah probably three <laughs> press like it's hard to keep asking about it. Yeah, the press conference up on an Epperson redshirt or not? So yeah, we'll, see, I think how, we'll we, see if John can keep the streak going for next game on Sunday. Yeah, keep it keep, keep, just keep, for keep, just keep it alive. Just for good times' sake, exactly. keep it alive. Exactly. And yeah, we'll see if we can get Mac to roll his eyes and all that. Jesus, you're asking. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. I don't think we've gotten any Mac eye rolls that are dumb questions yet. So. I, I had a bad one today. I had a bad one today with the emphasis on pace and pushing that that was a pretty that was pretty yeah tough. but he gave you a good quote you know that's he the did. thing Sometimes, he looked at me like really you're really asking yeah, about yeah. what i want the pace to be like for all these guys yeah um so yeah it's a it's a first game for everybody that's all i gotta say well, yeah well um, but we yeah, we essentially run down the roster tonight so um i think that's enough on creighton yale yale was obviously shorthanded i felt like oh man it stinks that uh makai oh, mason's gonna play i was so eager to see this guy uh I don't know if you pulled up any of the clips from the Baylor game yeah. two years ago. He was, he was sick. 31 points. I mean, they couldn't handle him. And so that's and I was what, really curious to see how Creighton would I, – I mean, we saw how they were going to plan on handling it with the 1-3-1 one, and the 2-3 and things like that. They obviously weren't going to try to man up the whole time. Um, but having, like, you know, Kyrie, you know, who are they going to have him deal with, Mason or Oni, yeah. like that kind of thing. It became easy once Mason came out because right. he could just handle it. Yeah, we really missed him because he, he would have he would have given him that punch, that extra firepower to just sort of keep the pressure on Creighton. Yeah. And it, I think it would have changed – obviously it would have changed the dynamic of the game. So that kind of stinks that we didn't get to see that. But for Creighton, still goes in the books as a win. And, and Yale, uh, presuming he comes back, um, it, it'll probably – 
look like a pretty good win by the end of the year. Yeah, so like, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, what's the deal with their, their they have they had the most first place votes for. Yeah, it's weird. They had the most first. Does, I, they had the most first place votes. Some Ivy League algorithm that right. we don't understand. Right, exactly. Yeah, most first place votes in the Ivy League, but yet they're picked second behind at Harvard. Yeah. And I think they were three points behind them. But yet everybody so, has them as the consensus favorite to win the like every Like every everybody sort like of national media yeah. uh, personality or, or analyst says that Yale's going to win the Ivy. Um, so, I don't know. How they who, came about. I don't. I don't know. That's weird. All right, but well, they they play Wisconsin on yeah in a couple days. So they're in this hall. This is like a hall of fame. How many people yeah. are in this hall? Of it's fame interesting. Yale plays Wisconsin. They got uh, Alcorn State after that. Well, they also. I think they also play later in the non-con. I think they play Georgia Tech and TCU. Oh, do they? I think so. They're they're going to test themselves and mm-hmm. um just be a, an opponent to keep an eye on because it could boost Crane's resume down the road. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, I think that's a, a wrap on Creighton-Yale. We'll be back at you Sunday. Is it afternoon? No, it's 6 o'clock, right? Yep. 6 o'clock tip against Alcorn State. Um, I'm sure we'll have much less to dissect from that one, hopefully. It should be quick in-and-out process. Um, Alcorn State will get paid nicely, hopefully, and they'll be on their way. Yale didn't go to the press conference tonight, so it's one of those things where they just kind of grab the check and hit the plane. I, so. I did sort of send uh, Creighton's SID, Rob Anderson, a note that said, hey, don't worry. You, you, don't, you, don't worry about it. We don't. We don't need yellow stuff by. It's fine. Uh, the game kind of speaks. Yeah, it, was, it spoke for itself. It got closer at the end than it probably yeah. looked like it was getting. It's a there. twenty-seven point game at one point. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you again on Sunday. Um, until then, you know, have a nice weekend and. Uh, yeah, that was a poor wrap up. Bye. I guess. Anything <laughs> next time? Next you'll, time you'll, we'll work on that. Work, we'll work on, on that. Work on that. We just have like a song or something. We should come up with like a uh, just a rap or something. I'm just gonna hit stop now. Okay, bye.